Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. And if you look at personal brands, right? Getting a job is like, you really need to get crystal clear on your personal brand when you are a job applicant, right? Right. Because it's, you're going to have a hundred opportunities and you're going to have 10 real ones that are going to really exist. And you're going to, you know. Welcome to Change Your Mindset podcast, where it's all about believing in and executing on different and innovative ways to strengthen both your leadership and communication skills to help increase your success. And especially in today's disruptive business environment. One of the most effective ways of building stronger leadership and communication skills is by embracing the principles of improvisation. (laughs) Yes, that's right, improv. Your host, Peter Margaritas, is an improv virtuoso. He's also a certified speaking professional and a CPA, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Each episode of Change Your Mindset is designed to bring you different and innovative ideas, thoughts, and behavioral changes on a variety of differing topics, with the sole purpose of strengthening your critical soft skills. We may call them soft skills, but they are the hardest to master. And when we do, greater success and growth is the result. So jump in and start changing your mindset now. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Change Your Mindcast podcast, where we help you turn your dull, mundane brain into a creativity factory. Today, I'm excited to introduce our guest, Nathan Menz, the mastermind behind Greenlight Improv, a professional training company that uses improv comedy to help innovators develop their entrepreneurship and communication skills. Now, some of you might be thinking, improv? That's just for wannabe SNL cast members, right? Wrong. Greenlight Improv doesn't teach you how to be funny because, let's face it, you're already a hilarious human being. Instead, Nathan and his team use improv comedy to teach you valuable life and work skills that will have you feeling like a boss in no time. Nathan was so passionate about spreading the power of applied improv that he quit his job in 2022 to work full-time. And with a degree from THE Ohio State University, He's a force to be reckoned with in the world of entrepreneurship and innovation. So kick back, relax, get ready to laugh and learn as we explore how to change your mindset one laugh at a time. And remember, if you can't laugh at yourself, others are probably laughing at you. So let's change that mindset and start laughing together. Before we get to the interview, just a few housekeeping items to take care of. Off Script, Mastering the Art of Business Improv is available on Amazon in paperback and Kindle. 
If you want to learn more about the book or order a copy, go to offscriptimprov.com and order your copy by clicking the click to order button. If you want to buy 10 or more books, please contact me to offer you a bulk discount. You can reach me through my email at peter at petermargaritas.com. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast platform. Also, please subscribe to and share this podcast episode with a friend. Also, please visit my YouTube channel, Peter A. Margaritas, CSP, CPA, Business Improv Virtuoso, where you can see previous podcast episodes along with this one. While you're there, just hit the subscribe button so you won't miss any updates. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. Episode is sponsored by Peter A. Margaritas, LLC, also known as the Accidental Accountant. Are you looking for a speaker that can bring powerful content, virtually or in person or on site, that is memorable and engaging in a way that motivates and inspires your audience? Instead of data dumping and numbing with numbers, imagine your people and teams delivering a financial story to your stakeholders. A story that creates engaging and relationship-building business conversations. Would you be interested in learning more about how that is accomplished? How would you feel if the value your facilitator provided your organization far exceeded the dollar amount on their invoice? Peter Margaritas, CPA and Certified Speaking Professional, delivers all of the above and much, much more. All of Peter's programs can be done virtually, in-person and on-site at your location, or at an off-site venue. Send Peter a note at peter at petermargaritas.com and or visit his website at www.petermargaritas.com to learn more about what Peter can bring to your next conference, management retreat, or workshop. Now, let's get to the interview with Nathan Menz. Hey, welcome back, everybody. I think I'm looking in a mirror and seeing my younger self <laughs> because my guest today is a improviser and actually he's based out of Columbus, Ohio. And we were talking beforehand. I, I haven't met him. He's a lot younger guy than I am. But you would have thought that it would take me to come to Oklahoma, uh, to the state of Oklahoma here in Stillwater to have a conversation with a person who probably lived maybe about 10, 15 minutes away from me before I moved. And first and foremost, Nathan, thank you very much for taking time out of your schedule to spend some time with me. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. Happy to be here. Um, so I get a, I get an email from Nathan. I believe that's okay on, on LinkedIn. And he goes, I went to an NSA meeting and I told him what I did. And they go, you got to talk to Pete. You got to talk to Pete Margaritas. got to talk to Pete Margaritas. And for those of you at NSA Ohio, thank you very much. I'm glad you you pointed him in my direction. So we've, we've had a chance to kind of get, get to know each other and catch up a little bit. And, you know, they say it's it's wasted on the old. I mean, it's wasted on the youth. Uh, I, I, you know, I, I, he's 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 a younger guy. But he's got he's got this improv thing down, and I want to I want to find out how he how he connected those dots over the, over the years. So first, how did you get started in the world of improv? Yeah, well, at NSA Ohio, your legacy definitely lives on. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, that could be good or bad. We'll just, we'll just leave it good for now. <laughs> yeah. So how did I get started in the world of improv? So I did. 
some theater when I was in high school and I had heard of improv, but I hadn't really seen it. I didn't really know anything about it. Then I went to Ohio State and I saw these two improv groups perform and seeing them perform, just seeing how fast their brains worked and seemed to act as one on stage. I knew that that was something that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. So I went out, auditioned for these two groups. And honestly, I did incredibly well and blew everybody else out of the water. Honestly, I was like, man, I'm so good at this. So then I get a call later that night. Obviously, the congratulations, you're in the group call. And it seemed that I was the only person that thought I did well. So <laughs> I didn't get into <laughs> group. Didn't get into either group, um, but knowing this was something I wanted to do, took a step back and started taking some improv classes. Mm. Now, at this point, a lot of the people in the improv groups I was auditioning for had never taken a full improv class. Mm. They just auditioned, happened to be really good at it, and they got in the group. So now I go back and I'm now a trained improviser. And I audition again. And this time it really pays off because the exact same thing happens. Still cannot get into these groups. In total, I auditioned seven times before I got into an improv group. Okay. But yeah, when I got into those improv groups and through the seven auditions, I realized improv is a learnable skill. So it's mm -hmm. something that can be picked up and developed. I didn't deserve to get into the improv groups the first six times. <laughs> I wasn't good enough yet. And then I also realized that as I improved on stage, I improved off stage as well. As I became a better improviser, I became a better communicator, better entrepreneur, and even a better team member. And then I started the company that I have now, Greenlight Improv. Um, so before you go forward, let's go back and give some kudos. Where did you get your improv training from? Was it in Columbus? Yeah, so I first started in Columbus um, and did a, a couple classes around here. And then I went to New York um, mm. had uh, like sort of like a conservatory style training yeah. with Armando Diaz, mm. who has the form the Armando. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you got a form named after you, you must be really good. It's a great name. Great, great name. Very creative name. Yeah. And the Armando Diaz experience is like the longest running improv show in Chicago. So he broke down improv to a level that uh, like I had never had broken down before. We the first class, if I remember this right, the first class, we did the first line. And then the second class, we did first line, second line. And then we added one line at a time. And it was helpful to break down the beginning of scenes to that level mm -hmm. for me. So, so you mentioned New York and you mentioned Chicago. So Armando was in New York? Armando was in New York, okay. but he got his start. Okay. Um, or at least lived in Chicago for a long time. Okay. Yeah. Wow. So do you think, do you know if he was part of the second city group in Chicago? I know he was in UCB, um, or at okay. least he was, a. I think he was employed by UCB. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I'm not sure. I'm not sure where he performed. All right. So you go through this process, you get into, you get into a, 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 a troupe and you're performing in front of live audiences. 
and like I said before, I, I, I performed in front of live audiences from a training perspective, looking at from a business improv approach versus a theatrical approach. How, I mean, and you've got the acting background. How was that? I mean, cause you're, you're really kind of going without a net to some degree. Yeah. I find performing improv the very first couple times it can be a little bit nerve wracking, but right after that. And at this point, I feel so comfortable on a stage without a script and even far more comfortable than if I have a script, because if I don't have a script, I can trust my own abilities, trust the team that I have on stage. But if I have one, then there's something I need to remember and focus on. And not that I'm very uncomfortable with that, but I'm far more comfortable performing improv now. It feels very freeing. I agree. It's very freeing. I, uh, I don't, I, I'm not really good with the script anyhow, uh, but I will in, in preparation for stuff, I'll write things out and, and, and what I want to, but more from the trying to teach it from a business improv approach. But then metaphorically, when I walk into the room, I wad up that throw it away and I play off the audience. And that's what, what you guys do. You play off the audience as well and, and create those scenes based off of the audience where if you're following a script, there's no place in there that says, check with the audience. What do they think? Yeah, I actually talk about how performing improv is like the perfect mode to understand how like new businesses are created. Because when we start, when we are performing improv, we're in a high stakes scenario. We don't, we're creating something new and we have to talk to our customers. So, so often people think that when you go on stage, you, for improv, you go on stage and you start telling jokes. Right. But, but what tends to happen with beginning improvisers is you go on stage, you tell a joke, and then two things happen. First, everyone knows that you tried to tell a joke and that it didn't land. Yeah. And then the second thing is everyone has to sit in that uncomfortable silence <laughs> knowing that you told a joke. And so we have to go through this process of like hearing, hearing the audience and just putting a little bit of like, oh, let's, let's try this out. Oh, they laughed a little on that. Let's double down on this. And I find that one of the reasons you have to be so present in improv comedy and why it's so freeing is because you have to be in tune with your scene partner, but also in tune and listening to the audience throughout the whole performance. Because it's all about the audience. And, and, yeah. and when, you can, when you can make the audience the first person and me the second person, that frees you up to heighten those areas of, of, of improv when you're up performing or teaching or whatever. Yeah, exactly. At the end of the day, the the audience holds you accountable for for the show. Right. And so yeah, I, I totally agree. So when is it when did this big aha moment happen as you're doing improv from a theatrical perspective? You're on stage, you're getting laughs, you guys are getting more popular. What was it that went like you said, wait, this I could use this in sales training. This is, you know, that active listening aspect of it, the, the uh, listening to understand. Those are much more than just being funny. Those are actual leadership tools. Yeah, I think that it came from a couple of a couple of the classes I took 
And I had heard that improv applied to business was a thing, but I, I think it was more that I noticed in myself through taking all of these classes that I improved in my communication skills, teamwork, et cetera. And then I can tell you the, the exact point when I decided, wow, I should start this company. Okay. And that was, I was working at a venture studio, which is essentially where corporations will outsource much of their innovation and basically give them money and say, go create a startup for us. Mm -hmm. um, so I was working in this and, and most of the time they employ entrepreneurs who now want something a little bit more secure. They have a salary, <laughs> stuff like that. So I was, I was sitting there and I gave an opinion um, on, on something that we were talking about. And someone turned to me and said, Nathan, what do you know? You haven't even started a company before. <laughs> and, and I went, you know, <laughs> um, I don't think that was the nicest way to say it. <laughs> But I think that you're on to something. So I think like a week later, I filed Greenlight Improv. So it was it was in part just someone saying, hey, you should do something. Um, but before that, I had the idea. It was just uh, taking the leap is scary. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is. So when I moved out here to Oklahoma, I was packing up a bunch of stuff. And I came across some of my old flyers, my old brochures, packets of stuff. And I went, wow, I've learned a lot since then. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I think the part that really, and I think you're, you're beginning to see it, that this is a thing. It is a thing in the business world. And it's, it's becoming more of a thing because, you know, my, my audience typically are accountants. They're the, they're the best communicators in the world. That's sarcasm <laughs> because that's a challenge. They're, they're, uh, they're very good at communicating maybe through spreadsheets and P&Ls. <laughs> right. And, and actually communicating in a foreign language and just the ability to get them to think that they are sp performing speaking in a foreign language, get them to think about other ways of communication and how we can come together because it's about connecting. And a lot of the older accounts will go, well, I still have my clients. I said, well, the reason why you still have your clients is because you're trustworthy. They trust you. They don't understand you, but they trust you. And that's only half the equation. Yeah. And just teach them basic improv principles, especially about active listening, listening to understand versus listening to respond. They get this almost this kind of Scooby-Doo kind of thing. Yeah. And you run into stuff similar like that when, when you're doing this? Yeah, there's something um, I think that's interesting, too, that very often improvisers are very well versed in pop culture, because when they are performing, <laughs> you have to be aware of what's going on in the yeah. world so that you know what buttons you can possibly push or what buttons to very much avoid. So, yeah, I, I think it's interesting to to take this approach of simplifying the message. And that's one thing I've talked about when I, I've coached startups when they're about to present their idea. <laughs> and I always say like, no matter how complicated what you are pitching is, 
Because so often it's like radical technology change. I always say like the people you're pitching to very often will not have any idea about this industry. (laughs) And you're going to, you want to convince them. So the best test to use is find like a middle schooler, (laughs) explain it to them. (laughs) And if they understand it, you're in. You got it. Okay, so you just gave me this huge aha moment. Yeah. About understanding pop culture. And I just flashed back to the the last, the fall semester, and now here in the spring semester, I'm using references like Hogan's Heroes. I mean, and Nathan's going, what the hell's Hogan? What's a Hogan's Hero? Or these, 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 or the Three Stooges. Or, and I'm going, I'm sorry, I'm just the old guy. I'm like going, okay, how did, how did I get into that rut? Uh, you know, and, and then, and then my, my so I, I do play some music in the class to kind of, you know, it's a kind of, to kind of wake them up. And my, my undergrad TAs is going, do you, do you know Swifty? I know what, I know what a Swifter is, but I don't know what a Swifty is. You never heard of Taylor Swift? I've heard of her, but she goes by Swifty. And I'm going, well, you could have led with Taylor Swift first and hit me with the Swift. Well, this is how we talk. And I'm going, when you just said that, I went, oh, my God, I'm, that's why I'm not in touch with my students. I need to use their references more than mine. And, and, and I completely got away from that. And I won't anymore. Yeah, I think it. I think it's definitely something that comes from just being in the environment. Like, I'm on the board and I facilitate uh, this high school leadership conference in Columbus. It's like a week long program. And this year, this past year was the first year that they would say things. And I'd go, Hmm, I can't even guess what that means. (laughs) So please help me out. (laughs) Um, but it's interesting just like even being with them for a week at the end of the week, maybe halfway through the week, you get it. Yeah. Uh, and the best mode to understand the music is just turn on the USA Top 50. <laughs> is that, do, do I get, is that like, is that an AM or FM? <laughs> I actually, growing up, here's a, a fun fact. Growing up, you know, FM was, you know, much better. Yeah. And every time I went to AM, it was just static noises. Yeah. So I remember talking to my parents going, why do we have this? This first one seems totally useless. It's so bad that it doesn't seem it can transmit anything. Right. And 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 now I learn. <laughs> I I I would listen to AM radio. Just I'm a big Cincinnati Reds fan, so I'd get 700 WLW, and you could pick it up. You could pick it up in Columbus at times. The wind's blowing right. And, and and listen to and listen to a baseball game, and then MLB came out where you can basically listen to an FM in high def. And I haven't been back to AM since. Yeah, yeah, it's sort of it. It seems like the same thing as um, people now talking about like, oh, you have cable, interesting. Why? <laughs> why? Yeah. Why? Why aren't you streaming? Yeah, like you know, YouTube TV, like you can pretty much watch all this. <laughs> To your point, so I, I, I've got, I've got, I keep saying I got to take it back. I got cable put in, and then 
I, I went, okay, this is not really what I want. So I started streaming YouTube TV and love it. Got it. Why do I still have cable? It, why do I still have cable? And some people's answer to that is because it's cheaper to have cable with a home phone. And I'm like, first of all, there's no way that's true. No. <laughs> and also, why have a home phone? Why have a home phone? That's right. And, and the other aspect of it is, is, well, you know, so if I unbundle my cable from my Wi-Fi, what will that do to my Wi-Fi price? Will it exceed my what I got to bundle with? And do I save this just in case? I don't, I don't know. But we digress. <laughs> but we digress. So you've been doing this for four and a half, five years? Yeah, yeah. Um, I started this company when I was, I believe, uh, end of my junior year at Ohio State. Okay. Um, so yeah, we're going on going on five years now. Okay. And um, what you, if you could talk to Nathan five years ago, now what you've learned now, what would you tell the young Nathan that you've learned now that you wish you knew then? I think that one thing I did that I learned very quickly was not going to work is that. I saw a bunch of other companies that were doing corporate work. Mm -hmm. They were doing work with businesses with applied improv. And I thought that was really the only option. So I went out and tried to get a lot of corporate work. And everyone told me in the entrepreneurship circles at the university that I should play my student card and say, I'm a student entrepreneur. And what I found was that corporations were a little wary of hiring a college student to lead a hundred members of their team <laughs> at a conference. Um, but I found that over time they were com uh, higher ed groups were comfortable bringing me in. Yeah. Um, so I would say, you know, you can test the you, you can and should test the waters for a variety of industries. Um, especially in college, I didn't have a lot of experience in any industry yet. Right. Um, so I think I should have tested all of the waters. But once you find one that works, just double down on that for a while. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and you know, it's like find your lane. Spend, spend time trying to figure out what lane you want to be in. Yeah. And when you find that lane, stay in that lane. And... I know some people say, so if you stay in the lane, but I get an offer over here and I get an offer outside the lane, do I take it or not? Yeah, I would say um, the answer is you can take it if you can do a really good job with it. Right. But I think there are definitely some things that you're offered that I'm that you're just like, I cannot do that well. <laughs> but. But wouldn't this be something that might make you take that chance, whether it's right or wrong? I've got a rent payment due. I've got a mortgage due. I've got bills to pay. So I'm turning down something over here. And, and that's that's the mindset of, of almost every entrepreneur, especially first starting out, versus yeah. do I say no, stay in my lane where I'm successful? Yeah, and what I would say to that is, 
To me, the stay in your lane argument, it makes a lot of sense for your marketing materials. Mm -hmm. But if I, for example, if my marketing materials are directed towards higher ed and McDonald's comes to me and says, we want you to speak at our corporate event, I think that's something that we can talk about. <laughs> we, we can talk through that. Now, obviously, if my marketing is directed at higher ed, McDonald's comes to me, I have to acknowledge that while I may be able to sell this client, I'm not sure that I can put the same amount of effort that I do in most higher ed workshops as I would in the McDonald's workshop and make them similar quality. So I need to spend much more time developing the McDonald's workshop uh, because it is outside my lane, right. but you can still take it, but just make sure that you put the work in to make it really good. So I, I did ask you this, but is your degree in entrepreneurism out of uh, Ohio State? My degree's in marketing and okay. then I have a minor in theater. In theater. Okay. All right. Um, well, that's the other that's the other aspect why you're successful in doing the world of improv because that was the one thing I never did. Uh, you know, when I, I was in school, I, I I never had the desire to be in the theater department. That was a, I was a sports geek. If I could go back now and tell myself a younger me, that would be the first thing I'd, I would have them do. I'd say go, go get into theater, go into performing arts. Learn that. And actually, I'm thinking about we have a performing arts college at Oklahoma State University. I'm trying to figure out a way how to wiggle my way in there. And, and whether, whether it's to offer some business improv course or something, uh, sometime we'll look at next year. But um, yeah, that, that's, that would be the one thing that I would look back on myself and say, okay, go, go do some theater for a while. Go yeah. Better. Yeah, I think it's it can be freeing to do a little bit of acting and performing. And not even in the way that I understand that it can be stressful for some people to get on stage and perform, even in the classes. But something that I find interesting about acting classes is that so much of it is warming up your body, warming up your voice, mentally getting prepared. And so you learn a little bit about how your body is structured and works and how you move through spaces. Mm -hmm. um, so I almost think it's it's a nice way to understand yourself a little bit better, even if we put all of the benefits of performing on the side. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, do, I do, I have coached a number of people over the years, but I, I love working with another i think you did the same thing working with people on their presentation skills mm -hmm. that's a, that's an area that i'm gonna go i don't have the exact figures but those who uh who present at conferences or present technical materials um 95 of that population needs good presentation skills training yeah yeah i mean even i i find the biggest thing that i find myself asking other people and asking myself when I'm presenting is like, what is the main message we want to get across and who is in the room? Because I did two workshops uh, two days ago and they were very different audiences. One was hospital executives and one was MBA students. <laughs> 
Um, so like I, the hospital executives wanted to learn about innovation practices yeah. and the MBA students were in an entrepreneurship class, last day of class, getting ready for a presentation. So those two groups need very different information. Um, and they need it at a different way of speaking to them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I, I find focusing, being very customer centric um, or audience centric, just like an improv, is a very useful way to approach presentations. Absolutely. And, and most people will not take the most people who present won't think about the audience first. They'll think about what I, what am I going to write to do to this versus talking to the client talking to the people, tell me about your audience, tell me what you guys do, da, 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 and build it around that. Yeah. I mean, one other thing is I even tend to ask about demographics of the room. Mm -hmm. And in part, it's for what you were talking about earlier. So my references. <laughs> don't fall. Thanks, thanks for reminding me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. Some I've heard other presenters where they'll say, They'll they'll name drop a a big rapper, and the audience is just not one that is likely to be very interested in rap, and or at least modern rap, like mm -hmm. right. And and um, yeah, they just sort of stare at them. <laughs> and so, as an improviser performer, we want to try to limit those times. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I I I I I am I will give myself a little bit of credit. I, I'm able to connect with my students because I don't come across as a professor and have a conversation with them. I'm the, I never lecture to them, mm -hmm. uh, and I'm very approachable. I just need to work on my references and not not to be not to be not to seem like I'm I'm like the hip professor, but to make those connections and use them in situations that gain their interest. Versus, what's Grandpa up there talking about today? Yeah, I not yet at the grandpa thing. <laughs> oh, grandpa going off on that stuff again. Okay, yeah, I'm gonna put my headphones back on. Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's uh even in business classes, it's useful to be able to. It's the same thing for that. Like, it's it's very impactful if we can give examples to students that are very timely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, like talking about the crash of WeWork, for example, um, or like that is a somewhat timely thing. It was like within five years. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. yeah, but it, it's something that's like still fresh and everyone is very interested to learn about, which is also why there are, I think, three documentaries <laughs> on WeWork. Yeah, yeah. That, that's true. And and I, I do try to bring in current events out of the Wall Street Journal that I would think that they would. And, and uh, Bath and Body Works was a big one that everybody could relate to. And Bath, Bed, Bed, no, not Bath and Body, it was Bed, Bath and Beyond. And it was almost like Bed, Bath and Beyond recovery from a bankruptcy. I think as I said one day, and they all kind of got a kick out of that because they kind of got an idea of it but yeah it's 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 that way of connecting with the audience it's also if you if you do if you work with the technical audience it's trying to get some of their lingo down not that that's good not that you're going to be 
uh, an engineer or whatever, but as long as you have some aspect of the language that they use and understand the translation of it, you can drop it into your stuff to make that connection with like, oh, he kind of understands us. Yeah. There, so two days ago in the, the hospital executives in that presentation, there were also a significant amount of doctors in the room. Mm-hmm. And they had just heard a presentation on something very technical on a way to treat patients that was very impressive, <laughs> but it was very technical on how it worked. Mm-hmm. And my co-presenter had experience in healthcare and he had heard of that before. And so when he started his talk, he said, you know, we're going to be talking about innovation in the hospital systems and we're going to even be bringing in improv. And then he he mentioned the systems and the technical know-how of the last presenter. And I was very impressed at like the, I think that gave some more credibility because it's like, oh, they understand our world. They understand what we're going through and this very technical thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's even a way to gain credibility. Yeah, it, it does. It brings a lot of credibility. So as we begin to as we begin to wrap up, what does the rest of 2023 look like for you? Are you are you busy? Are you you're, you're continuing to grow in your your business? What what's what's your main niche? Is it hospitals? Is it I, I kind of help me there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So we use improv comedy to teach entrepreneurship and communication skills. Okay. I would say the the largest group that we work with is higher ed, and these tend to be um, entrepreneurship programs, communication programs, leadership programs outside of the classroom. So cohort based programs. Okay. That's the the biggest niche that we're in. But as I mentioned before, you know we we sort of pull in from other areas too. Um, what does the rest of this year look like? It looks like expanding the team. So we have five facilitators right now, mm-hmm. um, and we're looking at expanding that um, and even using their niches uh, to our advantage. For example, not to <laughs> go too deep into the hospital example, sure. but one of our facilitators is a nurse. Okay. Um, so she's able to speak to that demographic far better than I am able um, mm-hmm. to speak to it. So um, it's expanding into different areas and expanding our team and keeping spreading the word. Okay. Uh, so when you talk about higher ed and you talk, you're talking about these cohort models, are, are you you're doing stuff not in, more or less in the classroom, but you're doing it outside the classroom, like in a different venue, a different setting? that they're able to come in and do the workshop. So is that like a like a after class kind of thing or over the weekend or what does that look like? Yeah, so we're usually brought in by a program manager, a manager, something like that um, of a program of an existing program. And so a good example of this would be at Ohio State. We did work with the President's Buckeye Accelerator where they give across six startups. So preparing for their pitch, this is an extracurricular experience at Ohio State. They wanted to to use improv to prepare for their presentations. So we came in, I think we did a two-hour workshop, 
and it, it's on how to prepare for this presentation. So yeah, it tends to be uh, not as part of a class, but part of a program at the university. Okay, that's good to know. And and I do know there's a lot of colleges and universities in the state of Ohio. Yeah. I think, I think there's over 60, close to 70 state of Ohio. So that's a, that's a, that's a really good market to be in. Yeah, it's it's awesome. And I find it to be a uh, everyone talks to each other. So um, it's it's nice that it's a connected group um, because the the word of of Greenlight Improv can spread just a little bit faster uh, at all these conferences that they go to. Word and, of mouth. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Is it A and I go to now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the word of mouth is, is the best referral service ever that you that one can that one could have. It's also the cheapest one that you could have. Yeah, I did try cold emails for a bit. Uh huh. Did not work. Lost <laughs> um, the name cold. <laughs> yeah, and and I had I had done successful cold email campaigns before. <laughs> um, in different markets and this this one isn't the one this one doesn't doesn't work as well as the others i i think and i shared with you my biggest challenge with doing business improv in, in the corporate environment higher education whatever it's get, getting them past the word improv there's so mm -hmm. many there's so many ways they take that obviously funny comedy i i don't I, i'm not funny i'm not trying to make you funny you, you're funny yourself but you can do that or uh, i'm going to be embarrassed or it's fearful or there's no screen and there's a lot of excuses and i actually saw a guy by the name of izzy giselle i think is his last name is he was an nsa member and he did this improv workshop at uh one of the um one of the conferences and he had everybody he goes i'm gonna make this safe i'm not calling anybody up on stage we're just going to do this at the table. We're going to do these exercises at the table. And got everybody comfortable to what is actually happening. Then he said, now, now who would like to volunteer? Mm -hmm. Versus people coming and say, I need volunteers. Everybody says, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not sure what I'm getting into. So it's just giving that audience that comfort level and, and, and letting them have a level of trust and then doing it on their own with somebody that they're not all the eyes on on. And then when you do get them up on stage, be prepared to bribe them. <laughs> yeah, I bring mugs. <laughs> I bring mugs. I used to bring Amazon cards. I used to do that. And then I said, well, heck, I got books. I can bring books up there. And then that was kind of a lure to get people to come up and, and do. Um, but yeah, I, I, that's always been the biggest, I think the biggest challenge is understanding what the word improv means. And it's not all about, it's not all the time about being funny. Yeah. And I think people are catching on to the idea faster now than they did when I started Greenlight four years ago. Um, but I would say, yes, it is definitely still a challenge. And I just like what you said, I also approached that right at the beginning of the session. <laughs> That's like, we are not going to make you come up here and say your word is potato and give you half an hour <laughs> because that is terrifying. <laughs> um, even for some trained improvisers, that's terrifying. <laughs> so yeah, it's like everything's opt-in, 
you don't have to like if you choose not to participate that's okay all we ask is that you are the biggest cheerleader for everyone that can or wants to participate and yeah i i find it does it is dramatic the experience at the very beginning of the workshop where sometimes almost everyone's on their phone staring at their feet (laughs) Um, at the end when they're loosened up they're having fun um, and they learn something and that's the key let's have fun let's laugh let's learn something so it's been a one a pleasure meeting you two thank you for taking time three i will be in columbus in june and and i'm going to be there for probably two or some odd weeks my son's getting my son's birthday's on the ninth and he's getting married on the 15th. So at some point when I'm in there, I'll give you advance notice. We're going to launch. I, I want to learn more about what you're doing. I, I love what you're doing. I wish I was your age starting all over again doing this now. But uh, it's, it's very exciting to meet you. I, I appreciate those at NSA Ohio for pointing you in my direction. Yeah, I would love to grab lunch. I'll be there. <laughs> uh, um, and yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. I would like to thank Nathan for sharing his brilliance around the conversation of applied improv. It was a great conversation. We're aligned in a lot of many ways, except he's a lot younger than I am, which is good. Remember, there are people who prefer to say yes, and there are people who prefer to say no. Those who say yes are rewarded by the adventures they have, and those who say no are rewarded by the safety they attain. Be a yes person, and thank you for listening. Like what you just heard, visit c-suiteradio.com. C-Suite Radio, turning the volume up on business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.